Hola mi gente, what up my people, my name is Pastor Rich Colon, I'm the lead pastor here at Santos Church, broadcasting to you live from Southwest Detroit, Michigan. Wherever you're listening from, I'm glad that you are listening. This podcast is meant to do one of two things, and that is either bring you our message content or it's content that we thought would enrich our message content. We'll have more information at the end of this episode on how you can get connected with us either in person, online, or on social media. But for now, thanks for listening to this podcast. Gracias para escuchando esto podcast. And let's get into it. Vamos. Amen. Well, hey, today we are uh, in week two of our three-part series that we have called Kingdom Come because we are looking back at when the Pharisees in Luke 17 asked Jesus about the kingdom of God, and Jesus says this. It's actually our theme verse for all three weeks uh, for this series, and so let me read it to you real quick just to get us in that headspace, and then we'll jump in to what we're talking about for week two. So Luke 17, verse 20 and 21 says this, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And certain other translations say the kingdom of God is within you. And so we are talking about how we as believers can do our part in imaging and showing the kingdom of God to others here, how we can help bring God's kingdom down little by little into our world and our lives today, just in some practical ways. Now, last week we talked about how there's a number of ways that this can be done, but for the sake of these three weeks that we're talking about, we want to kind of shift the focus to these three things. There's a number that you can do to be the hands and feet of Jesus practically every day, but for the sake of time and content, we chose three things. And so last week, We talked about how church, church, very literally is a depiction of God's kingdom. We talked about how in Revelation, the prophecy, the vision was that there was people, a huge uh, group of people gathering together from every tribe, every nation, every ethnicity, every different uh, walk, socioeconomic background, context, you name it. And they were all together to worship Jesus and to praise Jesus Together, And that was a vision of eternity. And so when we gather together in the church, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, and we come together from our different backgrounds and contexts to lift up Jesus, we are literally a depiction, an expression of eternity right here, right now. And that's powerful. Like that is powerful, right? We also talked about the vision in Ezekiel about how the angel brought Ezekiel back to the temple and in that and in Ezekiel just being faithful to keep taking step after step into God's presence, uh, the, the angel showed Ezekiel that new life shot up from being in God's presence. But that all started with the angel bringing Ezekiel back to the church back to the temple. And so we talked about how important it is for us to value the things that God values and uh, to esteem what the early church and what we see historically and biblically, what they esteemed, and that was gathering together. And that was 
being together for worship and teaching, right? Like church and meeting in the temple or the church, but then also socializing as Christians in fellowship, eating dinner, uh, taking communion together, hanging out, inviting each other into each other's lives and uh, weddings and baby showers and all of that, you name it, that was being the church. And that is literally God's plan for reaching the world. And it is an image of eternity. And so that was week one. It was really good stuff. If you haven't listened to it, it's on the podcast. You can go back and listen to it. Uh, But today we are in week two, week two. Because that's how it goes, week one and then week two. So this week, uh, I'm just going to give you a little disclaimer. Um, I cannot cover the entirety of this content the way that I would fully want to in one week. Truth be told, this could probably be like its own like five or six part series uh, if you really unpacked it that way. And maybe we will. But for this case, I still thought it was so important and and important enough to talk about to where we could at least get the conversation going uh, in one week in this series. And and I think it is a super practical way that we can help God's kingdom come now and that we can reflect the kingdom of God uh, in our daily lives. And so, uh, yeah, any, any, I don't know if anybody listening to this is a parent, um, but I'm a parent um, as of this week that just passed. I'm now a parent of three. I was two. I had Olivia and Diego, but now I have Olivia, Diego, and Camila. And so it's been a transitionary time in the Cologne house, especially for our children. They're learning how to wrap their minds around another sibling. And we are wrapping our minds around parenting three instead of just two. And one of them being eight, one being two, and one now being a newborn. And so it's been a little bit of a transition. But if you are a parent or spent any time around parents, or if you spent any time around kids, you know that there's a couple different teaching moments in a parent's life. Sometimes you have moments where you have to help them or teach them where, where, where they cannot help themselves. You literally have to intervene and do it for them in particular scenarios. But then there's other times where you have to help them help themselves. You have to teach them in that moment how they could help themselves because they have the means, they just may not have the awareness or the know-how yet. And so for me, that, that second situation, teaching your kids how to help themselves, showing them how to help themselves, ha- has been a, 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 like a, a thing that's been going on a lot lately. Um, in a lot of different ways, especially with my eight-year-old. She's at that age now where she's able to be self-sufficient in a lot of ways. Now, she's not paying bills and budgeting her her bank accounts and stuff, but she is able to walk, talk. She can figure her way around the kitchen and using the microwave and checking the mail and letting the dog out. It's like she's, she's doing pretty good for herself for an eight-year-old, right? And I can remember, though, times, and there still are times, where she was got herself into certain predicaments or scenarios that she could have very very easily gotten herself out of but she didn't have the self-awareness or didn't really know how practically to do that so i had to show her how to do that one of those times i'll never forget it, it i i thought i thought something tragic had happened by her reaction we were at home one day we lived in a small little house and uh Olivia, I was in the I was in the living room chilling on the couch, and Olivia just starts screaming, like losing her mind, right? And she comes running out of her room, and she's wearing like a big puffy jacket, like a winter jacket. And we had just moved to Michigan from Florida, and so in Florida, we didn't really need to wear jackets. Anybody that's living in Florida that might hear this, 
I don't know if you wear jackets when it's like 50 degrees out. You don't need to do that. Like, let's be honest. Like, it rarely gets below like 65 in Florida, like in the dead of winter in Florida. Like, you could still very easily wear shorts and like a light, light, like light long sleeve shirt. So, I, I don't know if you think it's fashionable to layer up with hoodies and jean jackets on top of that and wearing scarves. And maybe you just want a piece of that action. I don't know. But, like, you don't need to. Everybody knows that you're sweating. So just, you know, like chill. I don't know. Anyway, that's a side note. But we didn't need like clothes like that when we lived in Florida. So when we moved to Michigan, things were foreign to my daughter. Things like zippers and button combinations on jackets to keep the cold air out. And so my daughter comes, comes running into the living room screaming and she's wearing this big puffy jacket and it's zipped all the way up and it's Velcroed up and she did all the buttons too. So she got herself into it and now she's like panicking. She's like, dad, I can't breathe, <laughs> right? And she, like, I'm looking to see if she did the drawstrings. It's like choking her. It's not, she could breathe. She was okay. She was just panicking because she was in something that she felt like she couldn't take off. And all I had to do was say, I was like, hey, Olivia, calm down, calm down, calm down. I said, look, said, look let me show you something. And all I did was take the zipper and I went, zip, and unzipped it. And I said, hey, listen, it's that simple. Calm down. <laughs> like, All you got to do is take it off. Just take the jacket off. And she took it off and she's like, oh, I'm Okay. Right. Like we still have those moments. Sometimes she plays soccer uh, now. So she's done like seasonal soccer. And whenever she gets like a sock that the hemming feels weird on her toes, she does the same thing. She fr she absolutely freaks out, loses her mind. It's got to take her socks off. Got to like so I have to just like show her like, hey, here's how you fix that. Sometimes we have these moments where we freak out and, and really all we got to do is just assess the situation. And then if we need to just unpack or offload whatever those things are. Today, when we're talking about Kingdom Come Part 2, what I want to talk to you about is something similar, something that we allow to constrain us and hold us down, weigh us down, something that makes us feel like we can't breathe sometimes, something that overwhelms us so much sometimes, stops us in our tracks, makes us avoid people or avoid situations, makes us question ourselves. And that thing is forgiveness. Forgiveness is something for us that we allow to constrain us and hold us down. And really, we think it's about like the other person, like something about withholding my presence, withholding my friendship, with, withholding my help, withholding my approval, with, withholding my forgiveness. Well, that's how I'm going to get back at you. You're not, you're not going to get any of that from me because I want you to feel the hurt that you made me feel. Whatever they've done to us or said about us, how they made us feel, or maybe something they could potentially do with the information they know about us, that scares us, that, that, that causes trauma, that causes paranoia. And so we continue to withhold our forgiveness. And actually, if we're honest, what ends up happening is that it hurts us more than it does them in the end. And as hard as it is, forgiveness is something that we are called to do as believers in Jesus. Let me, let me be clear here, though. You, are not, you, you do not have to forgive and forget. Scripture never says anywhere that you got to forget and act like it never happened to you. You're a human. Of course, you're going to remember. But forgiveness is not directly attached to forgetfulness. Just remember that. 
but we are called to forgive. Jesus himself makes it clear to us all throughout the gospels that forgiveness is his standard for people who claim to believe in him. We got to forgive. And I'm not saying it's easy. There's another disclaimer for you. Nobody said it was easy, but it's necessary. If not for them, then for you. Jesus says that that is a standard. We have to forgive if we claim we believed in him. Maybe you might think that's a bit much to ask. Like, yo, you don't, you don't know every situation I've been through, though. Like, Rich, you don't know how, how I've been hurt. You don't know how I've been taken advantage of. You don't know how I've been manipulated. Let me just tell you that I don't know. But again, I would, I would urge you and I would encourage you, in those situations, it's even more important that you learn to forgive for the sake of letting go. So you might think that's a big ask or it's a bit much, but I also want to add and show you that Jesus believed that so much that he did it. He's, he's, he's not asking us to do something that he didn't do himself. He, he's a God that could take the offense of the world on himself. If you really think about it, everything, scripture says everything that is in existence belongs to God and was made by God and is sustained through God. And so ultimately, when you wrong somebody, you're, you're wronging God, right? Ultimately, when you violate property, you're violating God's property. Ultimately, when you take advantage of someone or something, you're taking advantage of God. Jesus says it and when he says things like, what you've done to the least of these, you've done for me. And that could be a good or a bad connotation depending on how you act or I act. And so Jesus, who could have every reason to get offended and be like, yo, forget y'all, y'all figure this out yourself. He himself believed in forgiveness so much that he died to prove it to us. So I'm going to read you a few pieces of scripture to show you the importance of forgiveness in the life of the believer and then I want to encourage you. But first, let's, let's, let's jump into scripture. If you are following along, you got a Bible, maybe you got your phone. Um, we're going to be in the book of Matthew. This is one of the Gospels. It's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44 say this. These are Jesus' words. Maybe in your Bible, these are red. If you ever come across red uh, words, red lettering in your Bible, it means that Jesus said it. So Jesus says this. You have heard it said Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, love who loves you and hate those who hate you. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you or pray for those who you feel have done wrong to you. We said this uh, a couple weeks ago, but you can't pray for people that you, that you, or you can't hate people that you pray for. Prayer softens your heart towards people and towards situations, and, and it causes us to, to put God at the center when we come to him about things. And so it naturally changes us. And so Jesus says, love your enemies. And if there's anybody or love your enemies, and if there's anybody that you feel like is doing wrong towards you or that you would classify as your enemy, pray for them so your heart will change for them. In other words, don't keep hating them. Don't hate them because they hate you. Don't do wrong or wish ill to them because they've done that to you. Love your enemies and pray for people that wish to do wrong to you. In Ephesians, Paul says this, Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. So in other words, Paul says in other parts of scripture, 
follow me, imitate me as I try to imitate Jesus. So what I'm trying to do is mimic Jesus. And so if we're trying to mimic Jesus, we cannot leave out forgiveness. Forgiveness is so big to Jesus that if we are trying to model our life after him, there's no way that you could possibly do that accurately by leaving out forgiveness. Forgive as Jesus forgave. Matthew 4 or Matthew 6, 14 through 15. This is Jesus again. This is pretty, pretty forward. I'm gonna give you a warning. It's pretty forward. It's pretty black and white. This is one of those verses that that when we're trying to like get people to come to church, we don't share much because it's pretty direct. It's pretty black and white. There's not a lot of ways you can defend this. It seems just just pretty, pretty abrupt. But it shows you how serious Jesus is about the need to forgive. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others for their sins, your father will not forgive you. Simply put, if you forgive, God forgives. If you refuse to forgive, God will not forgive you. (laughs) Yo, that's, like, that's pretty straight up. But, but I mean, it makes sense. How could we walk around expecting God to be gracious to us when we refuse to extend grace to others? And I know, I know, I know, like there's some traumatizing hard things you've been through. I have too. Believe me, I have too. And I've had to walk out my own forgiveness towards people. But we cannot expect the benefit of the doubt given to us. Forgiveness and release given to us when we refuse to offer that to other people, especially when Jesus went to the full extent of giving his life to do it for us. We can't afford to not forgive. If you forgive, God forgives you. If you don't forgive, man. Psalms 103, 10 and 11 say this, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. Abounding means overflowing, just pouring out in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Check this out. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, and he does not repay us according to our iniquities or our wrongdoings or our transgressions or our sins or fill in the blank. He doesn't treat us how we deserve He doesn't repay us for what we've done wrong. Again, God, who who is so holy, who is so high and lifted up, whose ways are so much different than ours, who could be offended about everything, who probably has not been wronged, or there's nobody that's been wronged more than God. Nobody's been disrespected or disbelieved or, or, or taken for granted or like more than God. And verse 10 says, He does not treat us how we deserve for our actions. He doesn't repay us according to our mistakes or our mess ups, or even if it wasn't a mistake, even if we we were intentionally hurtful or wrong or sinful, he doesn't repay us according to that. Some of us need to wrap our minds around this. We don't have to extend forgiveness because it's what somebody deserves. You don't do it because it's what they deserve. We do it because it's what we need. 
Forgiveness is something that we have to exercise if we truly want to bring God's kingdom here. When people see radical, difficult, check this out, unfair forgiveness, it's not always fair. I'm an Enneagram 8, so I thrive off of justice and fairness and all of that for everybody, right? It's got to be equal. And the hard part is that forgiveness is not fair, especially when people haven't asked for forgiveness, but we still extend forgiveness. It's not fair, and that feels wrong. It feels like we're violating our own like moral compass. It feels like we're violating something inside of us that's like, no, 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 that's not right. You got to do better. We don't want to be taken advantage of. We don't want to be taken for a fool. We don't want people to get over on us. So if they haven't asked for it and it's not merited, why would we extend, proactively extend forgiveness when it's not fair? But I'll tell you why. Because grace isn't fair. It wasn't for us, and it doesn't have to be for others. And it immediately communicates that we function by a different currency and adhere to a different standard. And check this out, that we represent a different kingdom. One that is seen through this kind of love practically. It looks like love. That's why we say, no, God, love differently. People see it as love, godly love, right? It comes across as love practically, but it speaks the language of heaven intrinsically. Everything about it communicates kingdom and eternity to people because it's not normal. The incredible thing about it is that As we harbor bitterness and unforgiveness, we willfully assume the weight of hurts and grudges. We voluntarily put on that jacket and zip up that zipper and Velcro the the Velcro and button the buttons. We willfully do it. We put it on ourselves. And some of us have done that so much that it keeps us from being able to function. You might be so bogged down by bitterness and unforgiveness and hurt and resentment towards people or or peoples or organizations or churches or family members that, that you find it hard to function in certain areas of your life. I've been there. My advice to you, just like my advice to my daughter with that jacket on, it's like, yo, Just take it off. So my question for you today is, who hurt you? Who hurt you? Was it a coworker? Was it somebody who you thought was a dear friend? Was it your spouse? Was it somebody on social media? Was it something they said? A way they made you feel? A threat? A gossip that worked its way back to you? What was it? Who was it? The ones that we feel have wronged us will will have a chance to experience God's kingdom when we offer forgiveness and we will receive God's kingdom liberation when we let it go. You receive freedom when you just unzip it and take that weight off you. Because remember, essentially, we're not asking how much forgiveness does that person or place or organization or what that group, how much forgiveness do they deserve? Essentially, what we're asking is how much freedom do you desire? It's not about how much forgiveness they deserve. It's about how much freedom you want for yourself. 
to the extent that you will forgive is the extent that you will experience freedom in your own life. And we're not asking how we can save face when we're around other people, how we can pretend like we're not hurt anymore. That's not real forgiveness. That's not real healing. What we're asking is how we can put God's kingdom on display with our actions. And I would suggest to us today that if we're talking about God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as is in heaven, we can see his will because he willed that none of us would have our our wrongdoings and our mistakes and our mess-ups and our offenses held against us so he forgave. His will is for us to forgive as well. And we show his kingdom coming here to this life, to this world, to our jobs, to our families, to our workplaces, to our friends, to our relationships. We see God's kingdom here when we offer forgiveness as well. And in offering forgiveness, it's so beautiful because we release the other person. But we also pick up the keys and unlock our own handcuffs. We set ourselves free. Who do you need to forgive today? I want to make this very practical. I want to challenge you. If you're listening to this and it's you and you you have names popping up in your head or you have uh, maybe a church or a leader or a pastor or, and I'm, again, I'm not saying it's fair and I'm not saying you got to forget. I'm not saying you got to go back to church there. I'm not saying y'all got to go to dinner every week now. I'm not saying that it's, that, that, that it's just all done and gone. But what I am saying is today you're choosing to take a step of forgiveness and to offload and start offloading that weight and that baggage that you are feeling on your soul and that you show God's kingdom in your forgiveness to those people who deserve it or not. When people experience radical, unfair forgiveness, people see God's kingdom. People see and experience Jesus. It speaks the language of heaven. God's kingdom coming here through our forgiveness. Maybe you need to call somebody when this is over. Maybe you need to text somebody. Just tell them your true feelings. I would urge you and encourage you, begin that process. Release them. Release yourself. To the extent that you will forgive is the extent that you will experience freedom. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that in asking us to forgive, you're not asking us to do anything that you haven't done. Jesus, you gave your life to forgive. God, I pray for those of us that are gonna find it hard, that are dealing with trauma and emotions and baggage and scars and and wounds, current things that we're still struggling and wrestling with. God, I pray that you would help us by your spirit to, to begin that process, to take the first step of offering forgiveness, to release them and to free ourselves and to showcase your kingdom here and now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Santos Church Podcast. We hope that you were blessed by what you heard today and that it moves you towards action and greater faith in Jesus. If you'd like to connect with us more, you can find us online at santoschurch.org. And that's also a great place to give if you'd like to contribute to the ministry and our mission here in Southwest Detroit. 
If you're on Instagram, you can connect with us at Santos Detroit or Facebook, and it's facebook.com slash Santos Church Detroit. If you find yourself in the Detroit area, we'd love to have you in person Sunday mornings at 11, 1953 Military Street. Either way, hablamos pronto. We'll talk to you soon.